Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast on business, investing, and finance. I like to bring on guests to hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. Do you want to replace your day job and become a trader? My next guest is a mechanical engineer and quality assurance professional by trade who became a full-time trader in the 2000s. In this episode, he talks about the risks and rewards, his average returns, expectations on how long it takes to learn his strategy and systems, and how many hours of work this requires per week. Please welcome Brian McAvoy. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. Yes, thank you for taking the time. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I'm a background. Uh, probably the best place to start is back in college. I loved numbers. I was a total math geek. And so I wound up in engineering. Uh, start off in electrical, wound up in mechanical. Took a couple of mechanical engineering classes. Loved it. And so made the switch my senior year. But totally glad that I did. Got out of school, went to work for a manufacturing company, which was a great experience. Uh, company I went to work for, we're making plastic bottles like this for okay. uh, Aquafina, Coke, Pepsi, Gatorade, that kind of stuff. And it was fun because they bounced me all over the place. I've got tons of good experience. There's some stuff I had schooling in it and experience for, other stuff I had to jump into it and figure it out. But anyway, I wound up in quality assurance, which I loved. And that's been actually really helpful uh, since I left uh, the corporate world in 2005. Went full-time trading. The quality assurance experience that I had really is what saved my trading. It's been a fun journey ever since then. So, but as far as, uh, you know, investing and trading, totally love the financial world. Uh, This beats a corporate job any day. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're going to talk about your journey here. We're going to break it down and how you got to go full time. As we're talking about offline is, you know, ticker and in this podcast, we're heavily focused on investing, not so much trading, but I do love to hear, you know, uh, stories on, on traders, how you got started in the market, what you do, how do you make money in the market? But uh, let's go way back here. Um, when did you first start investing in the stock market? Oh, actually back in high school. Okay. Yeah. I had a, a rather frugal mom. She was a, she was also a bookkeeper. That was, that was her trade. And she recommended that I go ahead and you know, get started in the, the stock market. Uh, there was a, a an investing club uh, at the church where we all went and attended a couple of those and decided to get started with it. So it was kind of neat when I graduated high school, you know, had, uh, had a car, a uh, motorcycle, thousand bucks in the bank and a uh, hundred shares of Gulf States utility stocks. So mm. that was kind of fun. But unfortunately, I was not far from the legal drinking age. So <laughs> things changed uh, shortly after that. I had to go through a little learning curve just hitting the adult world. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. So instead of buying stocks, you decided to buy beer. Oh, some of both. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate that transparency. And, and we're all kids and we live and learn. With uh, with the first stock, though, uh, Gulf States Utility, utility company. Are they even around any longer? I believe so. Uh, last they? Time, yeah, they were. Um, main reason I, I, I looked at that one, I just wanted a good stable stock and mm-hmm. the research that I had done. It's like, okay, these. this is one where, yeah, I can buy it and just sit on it. Uh, it had decent uh, dividend payout and nice, uh, not, not you know, any kind of aggressive growth, but super stable company. Historically, utilities have also been, you know, an extremely stable industry to invest mm-hmm. in. And it worked out really well. Did you look at anything else other than like the dividend and the industry? Did you look at like fundamentals? 
Well, at the time, the main thing, I was primarily focused on industry. Industry. Because the time period that we're talking about, this was the early 80s. And if you may recall or not, the country was in a recession back then. The end of the 70s, the early 80s was a rough time. 82, uh, recession of the Great Recession, they called it. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it it was interesting times. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, being able to invest and, you know, not lose money was a big deal. At the time, it's just like in any other, you know, economically challenging time, being able to invest and not lose is like your first goal. Making money is a secondary goal. But the first one, you got to make sure you're not going to get into something and, and, you know, it tanks on you. So. Right, right. Got it. So then early 80s, uh, you know, they say uh, the best time to get started in uh, the market is when the market is down and there's right there, right? Market was way down. Yep. Early 80s. Um, And then through the the next two decades, did your investment strategy change at all? And if so, how? Um, It changed some. I diversified some, uh, dabbled in different strategies. Probably my favorite uh, when it comes to stocks is covered calls. Okay. Still making good stable stocks uh, that pay decent dividends, and I found covered calls. The interesting thing I love about covered calls is that, that strategy by itself is a zero risk strategy. Right, it, it's cool because it, your all your risk lies with the underlying instruments, so it works out really well, and it's a good way to cash flow and just you know get better returns on your on your investment. And if the market does, you know, if they do happen to move up, cool, you're selling at a profit. Otherwise, you just sit there and continue to you know enjoy the underlying Thank assets. You. Yeah. Take your premiums, right? And rinse and repeat. And did you do 30 day calls, covered calls? Uh, Try different stuff uh, when, you know, just real short, you know, like days or weeks. Uh, The the month tends to work out pretty good. Gotcha. Yep. That way you can take uh, residuals. You you could call it every month. You're taking some kind of premium or you're selling your stocks for a profit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the zero risk. We, we are a fan of covered calls of all the options strategies. I have mentioned covered calls on this podcast before, and it is a safe strategy. But let's keep moving here. This Let's go through um, the early 2000s. You know, that was the big tech bubble bust. Did you make some changes to your strategy there? What did you do during that time period? <laughs> well, with my stock investing, yeah, I've tried a few different things along the way. I, mm-hmm. I'll go through spells um, where, yeah, I'm you know, wanting to be busy, try different stuff. And like a lot of other people, yeah, there were there were some tech companies that I, that I looked into and lost money on. And <laughs> mm. <laughs> I decided as far as the more speculative stuff, and particularly the more speculative industries, well, there can be good money to be made there. Uh, personally, I just, with this particular part of my portfolio, I like to stay risk averse, think more long-term. So I stay away from speculative industries pretty much anymore. Right. You know, the mistakes, you learn what you can from them, but then you, yeah, you just want to let them go and leave them in the past. Uh, yeah. If you carry them with you, they re- it only really tends to work against you. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about your strategy today and we'll dive into your business a little bit as well. Um, but what do you do today? Well, um, as far as actively, I do like trading mm-hmm. where it's buy and sell, uh, not looking to, for buy and hold for a long time. Uh, longest I'm in a position now as far as trading, uh, I like the futures market. Yep. Just for me, if you're going to be trading something, it, 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 I like the futures market because at least you're trading an instrument that in my mind, its valuation has some sense in the real world. So many other instruments, you know, a headline can wreck the entire market. But at least with, you know, commodities, 
there's some real supply and demand in the world. There's right. an actual tangible asset that goes with it. It's not just a valuation based on, you know, everybody's perception and, the, and general agreement, which in my opinion, most of the other markets are. I mean, currencies definitely, if, if you know, you look back through history, but at one point, I don't remember which country it was, but it had established tulips as their form of currency. And which I <laughs> was that the <laughs> Netherlands? That that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, could you imagine going to the store with, you know, your arm full of tulips to get to go do your shopping? <laughs> You're right. But you know, it's just it's just the medium of exchange and whatever people have, you know, yeah. confidence in and, and are willing to exchange it for. As far as you know, value and and purchasing mm-hmm. power and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's why I like the futures market, good commodities in particular. Let's dive into this. So it's it's tangible for the audience to understand how does a future trade work? Like walk us through a buy scenario. Well, the easiest scenario to to make it understandable, the one that was presented to me early on that, that I liked, is let, let's say you're you know you open up a bakery and you know you go down to the grocery store and you buy your flour and sugar and other ingredients that you need for your goods um, to you know open your store and have something to sell. Well, uh, it's not going to take you long to realize that you don't want to be going down to the store every day and paying retail and hoping that they have you know what you need on the shelf. You're probably going to go down to the, the grocery store and say, hey, can you make sure that you're going to have the stuff you know, available for me because I'm buying you know, decent quantities? And can we agree upon a certain price? Because you know, I'm, I'm saying that I'm going to be buying from you and let's just go ahead and make the agreement that I'll buy so much every month for, say, the next year or whatever. And so that in, its, in the shortest version, that is a futures contract. We're, we're agreeing to a transaction at some point in the future for a set quantity of a particular item for a fixed price. And that, to me, that's like the most understandable story. Because I mean, I'm even going to explain it to like eight-year-old kids. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, sure. I get that. But that, that really is how you know, the futures contracts work. It's a, a contract for an exchange at some future point at, where all the terms are already agreed upon. Got it. And then the contract itself becomes a tradable item. Got it. So that's your entry. That's your buy. Tell us about the sell moment. How long are you holding? And obviously, you want to buy something low and then sell high. Typically, and, and it all depends on the markets that you're working with. Uh, there are a few different markets that have pretty predictable cycles. For example, unleaded gas. Every spring, as soon as school gets out, the prices are going to go up just because demand increases because now schools are out and a whole lot of people are taking vacation. And it cools down in the fall when school starts back up and heating oil picks up in the winter. So there's some price cycles that are reasonably predictable, you know, barring any un, you know unforeseen major events. But for the most part, it's a pretty predictable cycle. So uh, those I like, some of the grains and the other energies, some of the metals have mm-hmm. predictable cycles to them. So that's that's what I like to look at. And I might be in a trade anywhere from two weeks, depending on what it is, to six months. Gotcha. So six months is still pretty good. There are investors in our community that they're looking for that duration, not years, but like, hey, I want to buy something and sell like six months. Mm -hmm. Um, So that that is similar duration. Yeah. Okay. So you're not not like doing day trading where you're buying something in the morning and selling it in the afternoon. (laughs) No, that was another learning period when I tried tried Forex. Okay. It was fun. It was a heck of a thrill ride. And, you know, not being on set exchanges, it's easy to have it be a life-consuming occupation mm-hmm. because 24 hours and kind of like it's still the wild wild west i mean it was 15 years ago and it's it's still pretty much the same way um <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah like i said that was that was mostly a learning experience the day trading you know with any style of trading or investing i mean whatever business you want to be in the way that you're making money largely depends on the cycle of your investing 
And with day trading, the big advantage to day trading is you might not be you know, hitting big wins or sizable gains, but with the frequency that you can be turning your capital over is where you have the advantage there. I mean, for somebody to, uh, you know, turn, I mean, a lot, a lot of uh, investment firms, financial planners, you know, say if you're making seven, eight percent a year, that's a good year with trading and particularly day trading to make 10 percent, 20 percent, even 50 percent a month is not unreasonable simply because the frequency of what you're doing. Because if you think about it, even with like, say, a ten thousand dollar account to make one hundred dollars, you know, on a trade. Not that difficult, still keeping your risk uh, tolerances. Mm-hmm. So it's how often can you do that? And so if you're day trading, you know, can you place one or two or three trades a day? Sure. If you're making three hundred dollars a day, you know, trading twenty days a month, that's six grand. Right. So it really comes down to the frequency of how often you're turning your money over. Actually, when it it was funny. Remember when ATMs first came out, mm-hmm. early two thousand, you know, the nineties and stuff. The, where I lived, it was funny because there was this one major street. And there was this one lot in particular that the bank where I went, they bought the lot and there was nothing on this lot except an ATM, a little covered space next to it and a lamp and the, the asphalt for, for driving through. And I'm like, how can they do that? How can they you know, afford to buy the land, pay for it, have the lamp and the ATM sitting here? It just didn't register. It's like, how can they do that? Because banks, they don't, you know, they're not, not they're not into doing stuff for free. They want to make money at every mm-hmm. time. But then I got to thinking about it. Of course, if I'm there, you know, if I have an account there, it doesn't cost me anything. But everybody else that drives through there, they're paying two to four bucks. And so let's say, you know, the, the average withdrawal is forty dollars and they're paying two bucks. Well, they're picking up what is it, like five percent on every transaction. And it's being on a busy street. Yeah, they saw pretty good traffic. So they're sitting there popping five percent. Every day, every time somebody goes through there that doesn't have an account there. And so, yeah, heck yeah, they're popping 5% now, not 5% at the end of the month or at the end of the year, every single time, as soon as that transaction goes through, bam, 5%. So, heck yeah, they're killing it mm-hmm. because they're popping. I mean, it's like, how fast can you turn that over? And same thing with the, you know, the ATMs in like the gas stations and convenience mm-hmm. stores. And even uh, like with factoring, you ever heard of factoring? No. One of the coolest businesses I ever heard of, I actually did a little bit of brokering uh, uh, back in the 90s. It's a business where you buy somebody's account receivables at a discount, and then you manage the receivables, they get the cash up front. They don't have to wait to collect on. So like the first deal that I did in that was a guy who he sold fax paper, you know, the the thermal fax Mm -hmm. paper when they first came out. Mm -hmm. He had a really good source for that where he could get it dirt cheap. And he had a whole bunch of customers, but his problem was they were paying him on a net 30 or net 60. So he he would make the sale, but he wasn't getting paid for 30 or 60 days. And he had these crazy margins. And so the factor would come in and buy the receivables at a 25% discount. And they were thrilled because all they had to do was sit back and collect, you know, go collect the receivables. He was thrilled because now he's getting his money. Now he can go buy more fax paper. And instead of only turning it over once, you know, once a month or once every other month, now he can turn it over four or five times a month. So yeah, he was giving up 25%, but he had enough margin that he was still making 25 or 30%. Wow. But he tripled his profits just because he could triple the frequency of how often he turned it over. And I'm thinking, this is a crazy business because the factor, they're making about, you know, a hundred percent a year, you know, 20 or 25% turn it over every, you know, six, seven times a year. Yep. And he's able to increase his cash flow like triple. So this is crazy. This is cool. This is like a huge win-win and it's like big numbers. 
And, uh, you know, as I got to looking at it, there are other pretty wild businesses out there that are, you know, every day going all the time and just kill it. And they're, they're actual sound businesses. So yeah, stuff, crazy stuff like ATMs. I mean, that's huge, huge business. Cause I mean, if you're popping 5% every day, I mean, how long does it take you to hit hundred <laughs> percent? Not that, mm-hmm. not that long. So. Right. Yeah. But what if it, um, in the ATM situation, what if they stay at the average withdrawal of 40 and your account size is significantly higher Then it's, then it's not the 5%. Well, it, I guess it would be 5% against 40 if it's a $4 charge or $2 charge on 40. But in this case, I'm thinking of volume. In that play, you you look at more customers to go through to withdraw $40. That's the that's the win. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if they're making 1%, mm-hmm. if you can keep flipping it over every day, 1% every day, end of the month, you're 30%. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> no, I, I I like how you look at things like that because it's it's the really small wins, but consistent wins that add up. You know, and looking at those business models, like like what you did with an ATM sitting in the middle of nowhere. And I I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I'm thinking where, where I live, I see these ATMs. There's there's nothing around, but it's the it's the convenience for the customers driving to the nearby restaurants or the store or bars or whatever. It's like, oh, I gotta make a quick stop at this ATM and there you go. The meter's just running. Well, and see, that's why day trading, like I said, day mm-hmm. trading, that's where you can take a small account. And build it up really fast, just simply because of the frequency. Even though they're small wins, as long as you got a decent strategy and you, you can execute it consistently, yeah, you can keep turning it over and over and over and over, even with a, you know a lot of account exposure. Mm-hmm. So the trick to it is solid strategy, good system. Yes. Well, one of the biggest mistakes a whole lot of people make is they'll jump into trading with an idea for a strategy. And it's it might be a, a, a sound idea, but they don't know how to be consistent about it where they can repeat it a hundred or a thousand times. That's the trick. And actually, I mean, and really the same thing's true with investing. I mean, because, you know, no matter what you're wanting to put your money into, whatever it is you're going to invest in, it it needs to have some sound reasoning of, you know, okay, I'm going to put my money in it. How am I going to get my return? Right. So, you know, whether it's buying a business or you have an investment thesis or, you know, a piece of property or stocks or, you know, trading or whatever, you have to have a strategy going into it. You don't just say, oh, that sounds like it'll, it'll make me money here. I'll throw some money at it. It's like, that's <laughs> sure. that's the quick way to lose a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, what you learned with, and I'm going to jump into your, your win-loss ratio here in a second. You know, I've talked to people who've tried day traders and, and I've done my own homework. And even in the ticker onboarding, we do have a source cited that was actually posted on LinkedIn that talks about 99% of day traders lose money, but they're trying to buy and then sell on that same day. It's it's very hard to hit those moments where, okay, I'm buying low here. And then, you know, by three o'clock, it's going to be high. That's, that's very hard to do. Um, in your case, commodities, you know, you gave us the window, two weeks to about six months. What kind of win to loss ratio are we talking about here? I'll typically run about a 45% uh, winning percentage. 45% of the time you're winning. Um, Yeah. yeah, Doesn't that mean, you know, 55% of the time you're losing? Sure. But so long as you manage the profit, the loss aspect of it, it works out. Interesting. Okay. So the wins you're making are outpacing the losses. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And it kind of comes down to your strategy. I mean, because anytime you get into a, a trade or an investment, you can either say, you know, I, it has the potential to run, and so I'm just going to let it run. Or you can say, I'm going to shoot for a fixed profit target, 
and get out when it gets to that point. I don't care if it continues to run or turns or whatever. So your exit strategy has a lot to do with that. And of course, you know, your risk management, how are you going to protect yourself if you happen to be wrong to, you know, keep them smaller than your winners. So interesting at 45%, because I've talked to traders before. They're like, all they do is they aim for 51% or higher. If I can win more than I lose, then I'm making money. In your case, it sounds like the wins you're making are greater than the losses. Yeah. And, and well, see, here's one of the, the real uh, mental traps that people can get into, whether it's investing, you know, long-term or, you know, mm-hmm. short-term trading. You have to understand the numbers because a winning percentage by itself is meaningless. A lot of the reason that a lot of day traders don't make money is because they'll be looking and scalping is a real popular strategy where you're looking to get in and out real quick, sometimes several times a day. I mean, there, there are a lot of traders, they're trading one minute charts. Yeah. So you're talking in and out, you know, in 10, 15, 20 minutes, an hour, it can be, I mean, for some traders, that's a long trade. Right. So the thing is with scalping, most of the strategies out there, it's not unheard of. Actually, it's pretty common for them to have like an 80% win rate. The problem is your winners, you, you might hit the eight out of 10 winners, but that one or two losers that you hit will wipe out or can wipe out exactly yep. because it's a large loss and you got a whole bunch of small winners. And where some people get messed up, like I said, they're just looking at the winning percent and they're not paying attention to, okay, but how does that go hand in hand with my actual profit to loss ratio on my trades? Are, are my winners bigger mm-hmm. than my losers? And so, I mean, there are tons of traders that, I mean, I, I know this one guy, he only hits maybe 20%, but he's got real strong risk management. And when he hits, he's letting it run. And so his winners way outpaces his losers. Interesting. And so the numbers work out. I mean, uh, one thing you might hear in a, in a trading space, it's kind of a typical rule of thumb is to have a strategy where you're looking at a three to one uh, reward to risk. So before you even get into the trade, you're saying I'm, I'm expecting to have or, you know, the profit I'm going to make is three times what I'm risking. And you have that multiple in there. So it's not a right. one where you have to have, a, you know, uh, you know, better than 50 percent win rate. If you have a three to one reward to risk. You can win you know, only 40% of your trades, but you're profitable because your winners are so much bigger than your losers. Yes. Nice. Yes. Let's take a quick commercial break. Hey, this is Sean. I'd like to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to, so thanks for taking the time to listen to this one. I have a quick request. If you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review? The reason is the more ratings we get and the higher those ratings are, the more Apple will share us with the world. So thanks in advance for doing that. And then I have a quick comment. If there are any questions you want me to ask the guests, please head over to our ticker Facebook group. You can drop a question right there. I'll go ahead and make a note and I'll do my best to ask that question on the podcast. All right, back to the show. So it sounds like in what you're doing, and this will be something, you know, our customers or our listeners can they could reach out to you, ask questions about the weighting or the the dollar sizes and how like a 45% win ratio can actually make you, you know, a profit. Mm-hmm. I'd love to learn. You mentioned uh, monthly returns traders can make. You said 10% and I've heard people aim for that, but fall far short. What kind mm-hmm. of returns are you generating per year? Per year? Yeah, percentage wise. Well, in the trading uh, mm-hmm. part of my portfolio. I'll, I'll double my, my investments every year. Um, okay. And, and that's pretty, that's actually pretty easy. I, I've got this one buddy of mine. Now, now, granted, he he likes to have fun with it. He's, he's experimenting on a regular basis, and he's active in the, the Forex markets. 
but he's he likes to see how fast he can double an account. And his record so far is five weeks. Mm. And he has a lot of fun with it. And he typically, he'll be making 300% a year, typically. Wow. And that includes you know, going and taking some out, not just leaving it all in. But again, he's an aggressive trader. He's a very experienced trader. And he, he he's trading full time. I mean, so he's making sure that he has the skill level to go with it. Um, see, that's one of the other things, whether it's investing or trading or a whole lot of other occupations, I mean, business, there's skill sets that go with it. And, and one of the big traps to it, whether it's, you know, buying stocks or, you know, investing in commodities or currencies or crypto or whatever, you can't just look at it and say, oh, yeah, I understand it. I see how it works. Buy low, sell high. I can do that. That's where people get killed because they're not paying it the proper respect. It's a skill-based occupation. And if you jump into it and you don't have that skill set, it's going to be rough and you're probably going to lose money. I mean, what I learned a long time ago, and the same was true with me, especially if you're a little, a little smarter than average, which most traders and investors are, because you just you have to be a little smarter than average to be in a position to invest and to trade and that kind of stuff. It's the mental trap of it is you can look at it and say, oh, yeah, I get it. And so you jump into it with a, a false sense of confidence. And you have to go through the school of hard knocks to sober up and say, oh, hold on. Yeah, I need I have some things I need to learn here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And but unfortunately, that's what most people go through. I mean, and so did I. I. I jumped into it before I knew what I was doing tra- and started trading real money. And, and now with stocks, I was ultra conservative because I was I was paying at the proper respect. I, I was very risk averse with with stocks and, and still am for the most part. With trading, it's a little bit of a different situation. Uh, the, and I would say in general, the more risk averse you are, probably the better off you're going to be because you, whether regardless of what it is, you want to be in it for the long game, which means you have to survive. Um, if you're being aggressive and you're not risk averse, your long term odds go down the more aggressive you are and less risk averse you are. You mentioned skills. There's a certain set of skills you need. Can you explain what makes a good trader? Well, um what makes a good trader from a skill perspective? Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, the best way to, to summarize it, if you have a similar mindset to that of a business owner, where you understand this is a long-term thing and it's an activity that I'm going to be engaging in on a regular basis uh, for profit. So it's not, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put my money over here and not look at it for 20 years. It's, it's an activity. And, and taking that kind of more of a patient and respectful mindset is like the first step. As far as the skills that, that go into it, you have to be able to look at it from a financial perspective and say, all right, well, what am I, first of all, what am I trying to accomplish here? You know, what, by putting my money over here, you know, what are my goals? How much am I looking to make and when? And how long is it going to take to develop that and develop myself into that person that can generate that? So you, you got to start off with your objectives. But then you say, okay, what do I need to know to get into this? Well, if you're going to be trading commodities or futures, well, you need to understand the commodities markets and and where they're traded and how to place trades. Then you get into the individual strategies. Then a skill set by itself really is being able to look at a strategy and, and reasoning it out. Is it actually a sound strategy? And then when it comes time to do it on a repeated basis, the skill of systemizing something. One of the huge, huge mistakes that investors and traders alike mistake make is they'll assume that a strategy is the same thing as a system. And, and here's the catch. And it, again, this is where my quality background really paid off when it, when it comes to trading. Your strategy is how you're going to you know, jump into this, whatever it is, 
and and make money, whether you know jumping into the markets and get out at a, you know today or tomorrow mm-hmm. or next week or whatever. But it's your strategy for how you're going to make money. Your system is how am I going to do this a hundred times? And they're not the same. And so many people, I mean, they're well, they're unscrupulous, you know, sellers out there. People who were, a lot of them are just pure marketers. Others they don't care. They're just out here to make a buck. They'll sit there and say, "Oh, look at this great strategy. This is how you're going to make all that money." And they'll show you one chart, and uh, you know, yeah, we got in here and we got out over here, and look at all this money we made. You can do it too. And it's like, no, because. It's a dynamic environment, the, you know, stock market, the, the world economy in very fluid state all the time. So you have to be able to deal with that. But it's OK. How am I going to get in? How am I going to buy stocks? How am I going to get in and out of the markets if I'm trading? How am I going to do this repeatedly executing this good strategy and do it consistently so that I can keep making money? And like I said, just understanding there's a skill set that goes with, first of all, evaluating strategy, but then evaluating if somebody's handing you a system is it a solid system and where are its where its weaknesses from being able to do it over and over again? Because if you got a great strategy, but you can't repeat on it, it's a very limited value. Yeah. It sounds like systems is really the emphasis. Strategy is great, but systems is really the key. Um, to yeah. learn the system that you're using, and you, I assume you've got a you got a website here we'll promote at the end, but it's a does it include like courses? Yeah. And the main thing that I teach everybody is how to take whatever it is you're doing and systemize it properly so that it, it becomes repeatable. I don't teach a specific method. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I'm saying, you know, be a you know, the, the Forex scalper or whatever, trade this strategy. I'm not selling strategies. I teach the skill set of this is how you take whatever it is you want to do, take that idea and make it repeatable and then prove it out so that you know it works. And then you can go to the markets and, you know, go with real money. And now, you you know, you're going to you're going into it from a position of confidence and knowing and you've minimized your risk because you took your idea and you tested it and you, t- you tested it the right way. Again, from a quality experience, a lot of people think, you know, the, the, you know, they, they back test by, oh, you know, I placed five trades with it, you know, based on last week's data. It's like, no. <laughs> Or, you know, or I tried it three times and I made money. It's yeah, it worked. It's like, no, <laughs> there, there's a whole thing to testing something properly. So I, like I said, I stress to everybody, be risk averse. And if you don't know what you're doing, don't start trading with real money. Don't play with real money until you know what you're doing. Right. And, and you can do it successfully in the SIM accounts. To learn the system or, you know, some of the systems you're teaching, set expectations for us. Should we talk, be talking like a month long investment, three months? How long does this take to really get up to speed to start using real money? Um, Typically 30 days to teach because the way I teach is you jump into it and start doing right away. And so you're developing the competence and the experience to have the confidence in what you're doing. And again, that's part of that also is testing it out. So it's not only are you doing, you're testing it to, and so you get actual like numbers that tell you how good it is. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, from being risk averse, that's the best way to go into it is, yeah, I've got this idea and I've proven it out. Cool. I, I'm ready. Instead of, hey, I heard this great idea. I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> and you see all that on like Reddit and Twitter and 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 YouTube. I've got this one strategy for you. Click here and and get it and go make money. Like, no, it it, it does not work that way. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, I, yeah. I, just earlier today, I was looking around on YouTube. And, and I mean, and some of the videos that come up, it's like, you know, yeah, I turned $1,000 into $10,000 in three trades in, in one day. I'm okay. Like, 
don't do that to people, dude. And sadly, <laughs> the guy's got like 75,000 views on that video. And it's like, I mean, dude, you're just wrecking. Like bait. Yeah. <laughs> Set up false expectations left and right. It yeah, and, and it's unethical. And unfortunately, in, in our space with investing and trading, you see a lot of that, a lot of unethical teachers. We just saw the the BS that went down with FTX. Oh my right? god. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the YouTubers that were promoting that platform and getting paid to promote something that was complete garbage. Oh, yeah. You should be ashamed of yourself, those guys. Well, the, what what really blew me away, and, and to put it into perspective, mm-hmm. you remember the Enron crash? Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, this was like three times that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this I mean, will go down in history. Like, oh yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, the numbers yeah. involved here is crazy. Yeah. There's some countries that don't run it with these kind of numbers. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. It anyway to get back on on track here with uh, expectations. So so 30 days we can get up to speed. Now this is a job you're doing this um, week by week. How many hours per week are you dedicating to you know trading commodities? Actually, not that much. Um, okay. The way I do it, I mean, I've, I've been at it for a while. You know, when I was first getting into it to spend all day on it, you know, sit in front of the charts for six, eight hours a day was not that tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but anymore, it's like, no, that's, you know, after after 20 years, it's like it, it kind of loses its charm that much uh, for smaller mm-hmm. doses. So I, I spend maybe about five hours a week. Five hours a week, an hour, hour a day. All right. It, well, depending on how you're going about it. Uh, sure. I mean, that, I know what, that's one of the cool things about it is, as far as how involved you are in it, you can be anywhere from, hey, I'm just going to hand my, hand my money to, you know, to somebody who's going to manage it and trade it for me to I'm going to do the crazy Forex thing and I'm trading you know, 20 hours a day, <laughs> six right days on. a week <laughs> and everything. Right. So it all depends on you know, yeah, how involved you want to be. Would you um, tell us a little bit about Inside Out Trading? I'm at your website now, just a listener, so you know it's insideouttrading.com. And it looks like uh, you've got a got a book, like a free copy of a book. Is that correct? What else can you get on this site? Well, from the homepage, it just mainly three things. I, I used to have a whole bunch of stuff. I, and I do have a variety of uh, courses and books and, and tools that I've created over the years. But the main things that I, I keep available just as a, a kind of a friendly intro um, is a webinar that I, I have where I talk about, and I call it the science of consistency applied to trading. And that's where I talk about how, you know, if taking the stuff that's practice in quality assurance, which has been proven around the world for decades in the business world to be a great way to make money yeah. and hedge risk, applying it to trading or investing. Again, even if you're long-term investing, you still want to be consistent in what you do if you have a good strategy. And so the whole thing and, and the main message I try to get across to people is don't focus on profit first, focus on consistency first, because then the profit part gets easy. Because as far as strategies, I mean, you know, the stock market, investing, I mean, commodities, tech trading commodities, it's been around for, you know, centuries. The stock market's been around for decades. And so there are strategies that have been around for years, many, many years, and proven out solid strategies. They work if you can just apply them and execute them consistently. So, you know, a handful of strategies that have been around for a long time. Actually, if you list them out, there are a couple dozen proven strategies. So again, consistency. So, all right. right. So got that. And the, the other, the, the report, uh, it's not a book, it's a report. It's about a 25 minute read. Okay. <laughs> well, one thing, and it was funny because talking with a trading buddy of mine and we were having this conversation about how a lot of really smart people get into trading, not knowing what they're doing. 
I mean, like I said, you know, look at it and say, yeah, I get it. And so they jump into it. And so it was funny in the conversation. It's like, oh, four words came to mind, the, the magic four words that, that describe most traders and, and did for me when I first started out is enough to be dangerous. <laughs> mm. Because it's like, yeah, this is an area where if you don't know what you're doing, you know, what you don't know can and will hurt you. And unfortunately, most people do get into it and they start trading with real money when they really only know enough to be dangerous. They don't really know what they're doing because the training that they received was very inadequate because the people that you know were there, they're not incentivized to make sure you're you know knowledgeable. They just yeah. want to get you busy. That's how they make their money. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we get a lot of people that they'll reach out to me and they're looking for the stock market as a job replacement strategy. They're they're in a position where they don't love who they work for or, or what they do for a living. And, and I get it. We've all been there. And they're like, how can I quickly get into something that makes that matches my salary or exceeds it? And, and do that like overnight. And unfortunately, that is extremely, you're nodding your head for those. <laughs> I love it. I love your reaction here because we're, we're on audio. We'll do some of this on YouTube, but um, yeah. I love that reaction because that's not reality. Right. Like you, we look at investing with ticker as this is how you accelerate building your wealth. But most people, they still need a job to fuel their investment account. You got to be putting money every month. And this, it sounds like if people are getting started, you probably don't want to quit your job right away. <laughs> you you want to be doing this in parallel. And if it works and you're consistent, you hit that keyword. If you're consistent, then that creates the jumping off point. Like, okay, so the last three, six, 12 months, I've generated this much per month and I'm profitable. Okay. Now I feel good. Now I can leave my job. Does that sound a little more reasonable? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're you're grinning ear to ear. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, what you're saying is absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's funny is, uh, uh, like, when I first got into this, I got to know a few different brokers. Uh, talking to some of these brokers, and they, they, the stories the brokers have to tell, especially from the days back when when you placed mm -hmm. trades through a broker. You know, you picked up a phone and you called somebody to place a trade, not jumping online and you know doing it through the internet yourself. These guys had some hilarious stories. I mean, people who you know they jump in and like you know they're in and out of their career like in one day. <laughs> Kind of stuff because yeah they're just looking for the you know that super insanely quick buck and yeah. and again it just boils down to treating it with the proper respect and being and honestly being realistic yeah you know if if it was that easy you know where yeah you could just jump into it in one day and be making a full time income from it uh, you know a lot more people would be doing it yeah but markets are more fair and so they slap down everybody that does that mm -hmm. <laughs> and they'll 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 let you know it's like uh, -uh no come back when you've grown up a little bit <laughs> yes <laughs> well put well this has been really a lot of fun what i want to do next is dive into the rapid fire round and then we'll have you promote your site here at the end a little bit um so this is rapid fire round this is part of the episode where we get to find out who brian really is if you can try to answer each question in 15 seconds or less you ready yeah. all right what is your favorite podcast uh favorite podcast um probably uh predictably ir irrational okay is that with uh dan Ariely? yeah yeah i love him he's great uh next question here what is a recent book you read and would recommend uh the one thing Mm -hmm. um love that book. Uh, yeah absolutely and, and i've recommended it to hundreds of people yeah, yeah it's, great book. it's good good recommendation um what is your favorite movie oh the matrix are you kidding even after uh, all these 
<laughs> we've got a data guy, we've got a mechanical engineer, and then QA. Of course, it's going to be the Matrix. <laughs> I'm a geek, man. <laughs> I, I can relate. All right, we got a few business questions here. What is the worst business or investment advice you ever received? The worst? Um, probably the worst was thinking that it was being told that I could jump into uh, investments that I knew absolutely nothing about. It just if if the if the the pitch sounded good, it was a friend of mine back in back in college, and it, the whole thing then was the oil fields in Kansas or uh, like movies. Mm. And, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that is bad advice. <laughs> All right, let's flip that equation. What is the best business or investment advice you ever received? Uh, the best uh, be risk averse and mm. and patient. Yep. yep. Yeah. By far, best advice. Two good ones. All right. And time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? Oh, high school for sure. And honestly, I probably, I would go one of two routes. When I was in high school, uh, like up to my junior year, my plan was to go in the Navy when I graduated, get my engineering degree there like a couple of my uncles did. Changed that, wound up, my girlfriend talked me out of it. And so that's probably one of the first ones that I would change. The next one is, um, don't know, honestly, I don't know that I would have gone to college, uh, at least not doing it the way I did, because I found that there are so, and, and it used to be even more prevalent, but it's a trend that's coming back is companies that will pay for your schooling. And what I would probably do if I, if I had it to do over again, is I would go back and I would go work for a company that was paying, would pay for my education and one where I wanted to work anyway. So that when I graduated, I'm graduating with a resume and a degree that's paid for. Yes. That's yes. probably one of the big ones. I mean, just graduating with the resume and the experience, uh, it would be huge. Because so many, I mean, so many kids nowadays, you know, they, they go to school and they, they get out of school. They've known college life for four or five years. And the, the real world is, you know, just a huge shock for them. Right. Plus they're carrying the debt load. But there are companies that look, I was amazed. I mean, they're, they're, like I said, it's a trend that's coming back and I'm thrilled to see it. The companies are willing to pay for your education. You know, if you'll go to work for them for a year or two after you graduate, it's like, yeah. cool. That's a great deal. Not only am I going to have a resume, I got a guaranteed job. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Th those are probably the biggest, biggest uh, things I would go back in time and change because those would have set my life on different paths uh, entirely. I um, I love that advice. I think a lot of our younger listeners, especially, you know, if, if we do have anybody in high school or, or if uh, parents have any high school students, that's that's a sound strategy. Yeah. Try to network into a company, tell them you work for them, commit to them, get your education paid for, no debt coming out from school. Brilliant. Love it. All right. And last question here, I'll actually turn it over to you. Where can people reach you if they want to learn more about your your system and your strategy? Uh, well, at the website, um, yeah. insideouttrading.com. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a link there where you can uh, you know, email me or if you want to schedule a call with me. They're both on the homepage. Or if you just want to go you know, find out more about me, uh, I've got a channel on YouTube, uh, Brian McAvoy. And so, yeah, swing by there. Got a... Uh, Got videos going back quite a few years. Uh, you can see me when I didn't, didn't have the gray and uh, <laughs> was, was just getting started with all this. So yeah. Sure, sure. Well, awesome, Brian. Thank you so much for your time. Really loved your background and uh, some of the, the expectations our listeners can set if they try getting into trading commodities. So thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Sean, for having me. I love being here, man. Appreciate it. All right, we'll see you. Cheers. Cheers.
Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to, so thanks for spending some time with me. Also, if you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? The more reviews we get, the more Apple will share this podcast with the world. So thanks for doing that. And last thing, if you do hear any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not make a buy or sell decision based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later. See ya. See ya.